Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to Don't Even Ask. Today, our episode is going to look into a set of twins known as the Han twins. Now, there was a murder conspiracy between the two, and the newspaper headlined it as a case of good versus evil. But was that the case? And what happened? Who are the Han twins? Find out in today's episode. Born in South Korea on April 4th, 1974, Sunny and Gina were two twins, and Sunny was born five minutes older. In Korean culture, the older twin is the superior twin, even though it's just five minutes. Even their mother put Sunny first. Sunny kind of got everything, and Gina was left in their shadow. Their parents separated, and the twins lived apart for three years. Gina, the younger, lived with the dad, and Sunny, the older, lived with the mom. And again, I know it's weird to refer to them as younger and older when they're twins, but trust me, this plays out with this story. Once they turned 11, the father granted custody for both girls to go to the mother, and they relocated to Seattle for one year, and then they moved to Orange County. And this is supposedly where things started going wrong. Due to the difficulties of moving to a new country when you're foreign, you don't know the language or the culture, there were a lot of shocks, for sure. The mother ended up working long hours at a casino, but unfortunately, while working there, she developed a terrible gambling habit. She would leave the girls for days at a time with no food, no care, and just no support that children need. I can't imagine how scared they were. I mean, they're in a foreign country, they don't know the language, How can they get help when they're in such an unfamiliar place? The mom realized that with her gambling habit, she just couldn't care for them anymore. So she reached out to distant relatives, asking them for money. Instead, they suggested that the girls move in with them. Now, these people are known as the Norrises. I'm not entirely sure how they are related, but in some capacity, they're related. So the girls went to the Norris family. In high school, they finally had a new support system and stability. They started getting straight A's. These twins seemed like the perfect pair. Though this is where sibling rivalry took off. It appeared to be a healthy competition, though. And eventually, both twins became co-valedictorians at the school. The difference was, Sunny was doing much better socially. She was just more charming. Sunny got a boyfriend first and a job first, so Gina started feeling a little bit inferior. These girls were used to change, and after graduating high school, another big change hit them. They were no longer together all the time, which was crazy because they were inseparable. They did everything together. They spent all their time together. You couldn't really get them apart. So things changed because Gina joined the Air Force, and Sunny got a scholarship to the University of Laverne. Gina was unable to finish her basic military training, so that ended that road for her. She felt like a failure, and she didn't have her mother or sister to support her. Now, there are many cases of twins that have a really difficult time becoming individuals because they just know each other their whole lives, and the separation creates stress. 
Psychologists even go as far as saying it's traumatic for them. Unsure of what to do, Gina decided to get the same job as her mother as a casino dealer. Like a mother, like daughter, she also developed a gambling addiction. One night, sadly, she took a handful of sleeping pills and washed them down with a bottle of liquor. She got help, which was great, but then she just continued her habit again. She stole from her friends and the family that took her in, and she stole $35,000 from them. So that's a ginormous amount. That is shocking. Meanwhile, Sunny was thriving. She had an expensive car and designer clothes. So Sunny had a lot of money, but no one knew where that was coming from. It turns out she's a thief just like her sister. It only took her stealing $1,300 from a friend, but that friend found out and went to the police. Gina was also picked up by the police and arrested for theft. She was sentenced to 10 days in jail and three years of probation. Sunny also had probation. With relationship issues and dropping grades, Sunny lost her scholarship and she left school. Mr. Norris, the relative, the father-like figure that took them in, he said, and I quote, it's like they tried to grab too much at one time, end quote. And honestly, that makes a bunch of sense. In these hard times, the girls felt like all they had was each other. So after four years apart, they finally reunited and decided to move in to an apartment together. Old habits die hard. Gina started stealing from Sunny. They ended up getting in fights that got explosive, even to the point that neighbors had to call police to break them up. Eventually, fights began getting physical. In fact, Sunny threw a phone in Gina's face, and it broke her nose. When the police came, Gina told them that Sunny was on probation, so the police took her in. Sunny went to jail for just three days, but during that time, Gina took full advantage, stealing her credit cards and her car. When Sunny came back, she threw Gina out of the apartment. And to get her back, Gina began to get arrested for theft and skipping out on probation. So Gina ended up having six months behind bars, which is very different than the three days that Gina had. Between the two, just a deep-seated animosity was growing between them. Gina had enough. While she was behind bars, she had all the time in the world to think. And then an idea hit her. Kill Sunny and become her. Assume her identity. I mean, they're identical twins. No one would know. After escaping from a prison work furlough, Gina went to San Diego. Um, she would just go off to strangers and try to recruit hitmen, and she was not slick at all about it. Like, she would literally go up to guys and say, hey, do you want to kill my sister? Or, hey, I could pay you for killing my sister. So, somehow, she finds two teens, 16-year-old Archie and 15-year-old John. She tells them that she'll pay them $100 each, and they accept. Like, what? $100? To kill someone? I'm not saying that anyone should kill anyone for any amount of money, but I mean, $100 is nothing. Maybe like go walk a dog or babysit. Anyways, Gina told them the plan. They'd all drive to Sunny's apartment in Irvine and tie her up. But she gave the two boys specific orders not to kill her. Gina wanted to do it herself. 
On November 6, 1996, the plan took place. On the drive up to Irvine, they stopped at a supermarket and bought rope, garbage bags, and cleaning fluid, aka Murder Kit 101. They arrived at Sunny's apartment at 3.22 p.m., so also they didn't even do this at night. It was just in a random afternoon. The boys knock on the door again. Question mark? Anyways, the door is answered by Sunny's roommate, Helen. Sunny heard a bit of a scuffle going on and actually had a chance to call 911. But as she's on the phone, the phone line goes dead. Archie and John go in and tie up both Helen and Sunny in the bathtub and they hold them at gunpoint. Archie tells John to tell Gina that they're ready for her. And this is the first time that Sunny even has an inkling that her sister is behind this. She just thought that these guys were coming in to rob them and assault them. Luckily, the police have already been on their way from that phone call. As John goes outside to tell Gina, multiple police cars arrive. They pretend to not know what's going on, but decide to flee the scene in the car. They left Archie at the apartment. Archie panicked and untied the girls and telling them that it was just a joke and to tell the police that it wasn't really anything in hopes of maybe getting off lighter. The police are on to them, though. Gina and John make a stop at a bank in Laguna Beach at 4.30, and they use Sunny's credit card to get $5,000 in cash. The police realize that they are going to Mexico. At about 10.30 that night, they get to the San Diego airport to get a rental car, but the police caught them there. They search the car, and they find Sunny's card, wallet, license, passport, etc., along with the cleaning supplies and murder kit, essentially. So what makes this case so famous was the fact that it's a twin plotting to kill the other twin. There is an aspect of the closeness and the bond, along with the fact that she really could have assumed her identity, and it really would have been legitimate if she went somewhere that no one would know her. Once Gina was in jail, Sunny confronted her. Somehow she convinced her that it wasn't really true, and Sunny believed that the police made the story up. Somehow, Sunny just really believed, and genuinely believed, that her twin was innocent. She didn't want to put Gina at risk due to the state of the crime. She doesn't have that option, though, so she can't drop charges. Sunny realizes that she has to cooperate with the DA, and she has to take the stand, even though she doesn't want to. On October 30th, 1997, the trial begins. She tells her sister that she loves her, and it seems like Sunny was in some sort of denial. They really thought the police were going after her and her sister. What was interesting was that the second day of the trial, everything was different. Sunny had no makeup on. Her hair wasn't brushed. Um, she was dressed really casually and, quite honestly, not very tasteful clothing in court. Not that these are necessarily huge red flags, but this is coupled with the fact that the day before, she was very well composed, looked professional. She wore a blazer and a pantsuit. Even her emotions were more frantic and erratic. It's possible that overnight, Sunny started to really think about it and came to the face with the haunting truth. When she took the stand, she said something no one would have expected. Sunny explained she went to the store and bought three boxes of sleeping pills. It's implied she took them as she collapsed in the witness box. The judge had to call an ambulance and Sunny was taken off in a stretcher. Sunny recovered from her overdose and she returned to testify a week later. 
At this point, friends and family are convinced that Gina will be deemed innocent, especially since, in their words, it was a victimless crime and nobody ended up getting hurt. Though, Norris, the relative, again, the father figure, he's adamant that Gina would have never been able to pull a trigger. He thinks that it was all talk. On November 29th, the verdict comes out, and Gina's fairly confident that she's either going to get off completely or pretty lightly. She's sorely mistaken, though, and she's found guilty of all charges by the jury. The two teenage men were also found guilty, but I couldn't really figure out the specifics of their charges. Sunny begged the court for leniency for her sister, but the judge decided to sentence Gina the maximum, 26 to life. Immediately after the trial, Sunny became famous. She was all over the news. The trial was on TV, and she had TV appearances. She even nearly signed a movie deal. She was just really in the spotlight. But as all stories, the news dies down, and eventually it became totally opposite. Nowadays, nobody knows where Sunny is. Not her family, not her friends. She must have assumed another identity. And that's the most ironic part, that a person her twin sister, tried to steal her identity, but Sunny ended up taking on another one anyways, and rightfully so. As easy as it is to judge, I really could never begin to understand it. I don't have a twin. I didn't have to move to a different country. I had both of my parents in my life. So again, I just, I can't judge. I can't understand it. This whole ordeal was portrayed as a good twin, evil twin situation. Sunny was the good twin and Gina was evil. But based off of the information we know, they were both aggressors. Psychologists refer to this case more as evil twin versus less evil twin. The truth is, Sunny and Gina will probably never be able to see each other again. As of May 24th, 2018, Gina, who's in her 40s, has been released on parole. I could not find any information about the male accomplices again. I'm not sure how long their sentence was and if they're out already. I would assume so, but I really don't have any reliable information to back that. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please let me know what you think. Leave a rating or a review and help this podcast grow. This is something that I just did out of the blue just because I wanted to and I never thought I'd have the guts to do it but I'm here and I am. So please, please, please take a second to do that and follow us on Instagram at don't even ask pod. Thank you for listening. Bye.